structure of life. Aquare returned from the reality that was opened via the light shard. Her life allowed the scientist of spark to gain more understanding. Your life was short that time, being only about 32 complete cycles, however, in that amount of time we were able to witness spikes within our tests, Diamond said to Aquare. Diamond brought the data to the projection. Venture looked up at the data. So the spikes of growth and regression occurred at the death of that tiger. Venture started saying before Aquare interrupted. Baohu. Aquare added. Right, Baohu. Minor spikes when Aquares, who I will refer to as Li Mai's, parents died. Li Mai's abandonment, each time she attempted cultivation, being praised by the king of Chu, when she 60 was starving in the servant chambers, when she was bleeding to death, and of course when she was fighting. Venchuser informed the scientist of what occurred at each of the spikes in the data. And the data continues until about the very last moment within that reality, which I guess is near the point of death. Platinum observed. Yes, when Limai finally collapsed it was after the delivery of the final head of an enemy. Something that would have been memorable for those she was assisting. Venchuser explained. Tragedy, ailments, and success. These must be the things needed to achieve a godhead when you already have an existence. Without all three then you will have an incomplete life. I also noticed that when Aquare did achieve a godhead, Aquare gained the abilities that she has in our reality. Axel noted. Oh, wait. Those points are when I almost achieved a godhead. Right there and there, Aquare said pointing at the projection. They were close to this threshold line. The others in the room looked. It seems that to achieve a godhead you don't actually need to go through those situations, all you really will need to do is reach the required threshold. Axel noted. Yes, but, at the points of tribulation, Limai gained an average 12% increase towards that threshold. Outside of the tribulations the gains average only 0.0013%. And when cultivating, Limai gained a 1% increase. Venchuser responded to Axel. So a life without tribulation would have to be over 9,000 times longer than a life of complete tribulation to achieve a godhead. And even if they cultivated through their entire life it would still take about 120 times longer, Platinum said. That entire life just felt like one long tribulation, Aquare said to the group. 32 complete cycles, and giving an open estimate of 40 complete cycles. Then we can postulate that a normal lifespan to achieve a godhead would need to be 360,000 complete cycles, Diamond said. Do the tribulations from a previous existence contribute to the total godhead progress? Venchuser asked. Diamond pulled up data from Aquare's previous life. They do line up. I assume that because of such a traumatic beginning, that contributed to Aquare's high starting point. But it seems that existence keeps track of individual entities within it. Diamond guessed. Wait, no. That's not right. I think it is the reality bond that Omne was talking about. That is probably the item that keeps track of this godhead level. Ventures are added into the conversation. We could use more data, Axel said to Venchuser. I know a few people who would jump at this opportunity, Venchuser said, looking towards Axel. If they are willing then bring them here. Axel requested of Venchuser. We will be right back, Venchuser said to Axel. Venchuser then looked over at Aquare. Aquare merged with Venchuser and the both of them transported to Earth. They arrived at Saru of the nation of Mako. The Saru state is controlled by Master Brook, a member of Team Light. Brooke analyzed the data of the population within her region. She kept a close watch over the training of the former Urizu citizens within her area. When she felt Venchuser's field she turned her attention towards it. Venchuser. 
finally someone with actual accomplishments, Brooks said to Ventuser. Spear ran into the room. Spear is an artificial human created by a scientist from Aricargo over a thousand complete cycles ago. She was upgraded by Brooke following the end of the Crete invasion and was made a guard within the area center. My lord, I came as quickly as I could. The spear said, she then looked over and saw both Ventuser and Aquare in the room. Lord Ventuser. Greetings. Shall I prepare cookies for you? The spear asked. Of course. Aquare responded. Ventuser shrugged and the spear knew that meant she should do it. Aquare has a history of destroying the spear. The spear then left the room. What do I owe for such a pleasure? Brooke said to Ventuser. Ventuser reached into another reality and pulled energy from it. Ventuser then formed neutron star crust from the material. Brooke looked in awe as she always had when Ventuser showed her. Ventuser then destroyed it. We have a method to open a pathway for you to perform a similar feat, Ventuser said to Brooke. Brooke became excited. Wait, you've discovered a training method to teach that technique? I thought it was unique to you since you had to re-emerge from the rip in space-time caused by the time sword. Brooke asked Ventuser. Axel created a light shard, but you've already known about that. However, just today, Aquare managed to maintain her existence despite being transported from our reality. She has obtained a godhead. Ventuser informed Brooke. Brooke looked at Aquare. Really? I bet she needed your help to do so, am I right? Brooke asked, smirking at Aquare. If you must know, I went through that entire life without any direct assistance. I earned this godhead. Aquare responded to Brooke. Sure, if you say so, Brooke said before turning back to Ventuser. Well, obviously I can't let this little run accomplish something I haven't, so whatever method you came up with I am willing to try. I will transport you to Spark, and you will be taken into another reality. Within it you will try to re-instantiate your current existence within it. Upon your completion of it, I can teach you this reality tier technique and your field would be able to exist within it. Ventuser explained to Brooke. Doesn't sound like any trouble to me, Brooke agreed to taking part in the experiment. Brooke should have to go through the first lifetime without a guide, that way we could actually be even. Aquare suggested to Ventuser. Well technically, Aquare, that wasn't your first lifetime. Do you recall when we both were trapped within the light shard during the first cycle of the Create Invasion? We went through at least eight lifetimes. And even still I was the one to obtain the godhead and pull us both out. Ventuser reminded Aquare. Ah. I guess that's right. Dang. Aquare responded. How long would this take? Brooke asked Ventuser. Maybe a few seconds once you enter, Ventuser said to Brooke. Though when you are within that reality an entire lifetime will pass. But the good thing about that is, you wouldn't even be aware that you were attempting to accomplish a godhead. Ventuser explained to Brooke. Communication was then opened up. Ventuser, before you return to Spark could you bring one more person here? We would like to test if two individuals could achieve a godhead at the same time. Axel asked Ventuser. Certainly. I have already got Brooke, one of the masters within Team Light. Ventuser responded to Axel. It is an honor to speak with you Master Axel, Brooke said in reverence for Axel. Who do you have in mind for a second person? Axel asked. Moiku, maybe? Ventuser suggested. Both Aquare and Brooke looked at Ventuser with a confused look. Moiku? I know you have a soft place in your heart for Moiku, but in terms of capability. Moiku is hardly any match compared to individuals like Tesh, Vesitanis, Solaris, 
Lux, heck even Taba out competes Moiku in a few areas, Brooke said to Ventuser. Brooke is right on that. Moiku might be strong with elemental techniques, but anything outside of that is hardly anything to be impressed with. Aquare added. Moiku could serve as a stand-in for the general population. You too, along with me, are power-hungry maniacs. We would do anything, and go through anything to achieve even fractions of growth. But the typical citizen would seek out entertainment every now and then, so having Moiku take part would give us a better distribution of performance. Venchuser explained to the two. The spear then came holding cookies in hand. I'll let you all decide on who to bring, Axel said before ending communication. The spear was confused seeing Venchuser, Brooke and Aquare in an actual discussion. You can seek entertainment once you have reached the limits of capability. Before that people should train, Brooke said to Venchuser. I think training is entertainment, so that's two birds with one stone there. Aquare added. We will be sending Moiku in with you. Since this is your first life I'm also curious with how much I could interact with you all. During your life as Limai in that reality. Venchuser turned towards Akor. When I entered after receiving new information, the knowledge I had within, also updated despite me no longer being fully connected to that godhead. Venchuser explained. Oh. I get it, so you will look at their data while they are within that reality and see what actions you perform affect which data? Aquare asked Venchuser. Exactly. Venchuser affirmed Aquare's question. And this is why you are the ruler of Mako. Aquare complimented. I wouldn't say Venchuser received the title of ruler from coming up with data manipulation techniques. Venchuser's forte is more with overwhelming power and technique development, Brooke said to Aquare. If you think you have better data manipulation capabilities, why don't you challenge Venchuser for the title of leader via that method right now? Aquare taunted Brooke. I'm not saying Venchuser isn't good at it, I am saying that when comparing it to their overall power and technique knowledge, it shouldn't be considered as a place to measure the apex of their capability, Brooke said to Aquare. Sounds like to me you are trying to walk back your statement. Maybe you aren't as strong as I thought, Aquare said to Brooke. But what should I have expected, I do have in my capability a godhead, and yet, you do not. Aquare taunted Brooke again. Brooke then lit the area up brightly, it seemed that several stars were within the room. Let's see what your godhead can do against my power right now, Brooke said to Aquare. You both can battle here, I'm going to pick up Moiku, Venchuser said before transporting. Aquare looked over at where Venchuser once was. Well, well. Guess your battery has left you behind. Now I'll get to see what an owner of a godhead can do alone, Brooke said to Aquare. Aquare then backed up. Ah. Well, you see. Since Venchuser isn't here, is it even worth your time fighting me? Aquare laughed trying to cool down the situation. Nah, we can do a bit of training right now, Brooke said before sending the energy techniques at Aquare. The spear stepped back out of the room and acted like nothing was happening. Ventures are transported to the city of Seven Hills. Moiku was teaching a group of techies, children who haven't learned object manipulation, how to connect with electromagnetic bonds and materials. Venchuser walked up behind Moiku. Moiku did not notice Venchuser behind them. The techies then bowed suddenly and Moiku was confused as to why they stopped training. Venchuser tapped on Moiku's shoulder. Moiku turned around quickly. TSK TSK, still can't detect fields. Venchuser shook their head. Moiku then bowed with the techies. I must be slacking in my training, Moiku said to Venchuser. No, it's not unheard of to achieve field detection at 30 complete cycles, Venchuser reassured Moiku. Thanks for the encouragement. 
Moiku responded to Ventuser. So what is it that brings you here in a material form? Moiku asked. I would like you to participate in some special training. Ventuser informed Moiku. Moiku seemed surprised at this request. Special training? But I still haven't completed the first set of special training you have given me. Right now you have me on nearly a dozen routines, Moiku said, feeling a bit overwhelmed. Don't worry. This one will technically only take a couple of seconds, and if you succeed you will have a godhead, Ventuser said, attempting to try and lessen the burden it would have on Moiku's daily life. A few seconds? That sounds too good to be true. Moiku responded. Well, it'll take a few seconds in our reality, but it will be an entire lifetime within. Ventuser then filled Moiku in on the details of the training method. Oh wow, so I will be involved in the discovery of new advancements? Moiku asked. Yes, that is, if you agree to come with me to Spark. Ventuser responded. Every time I've been on Spark it was never an easy time. Oh well. Guess if I want to move forward in life I have to get out of being comfortable, Moiku said to Ventuser. Moiku then called out to Emma. Emma, could you take over for me, I won't be gone long. Theoretically. Emma then teleported to Moiku and Ventuser. Hiya Ventuser, Emma said with her typical energetic expression. Hey hey. Ventuser responded. So what is it you are trying to do? Are you two going to go exploring somewhere interesting? Can I join? Emma asked. It's not exactly an adventure, but by how it sounds it would be a new experience, so. Moiku looked over at Ventuser. When we work out all of what is involved, then I'll be sure to put you on the list, Ventuser said to Emma. Right now, we are in the testing phase. Ventuser informed Emma. Testing? I would like to be involved in testing, Emma said to Ventuser. Ventuser then thought for a bit. You know what? Having more data points shouldn't be a problem, Ventuser said to both Moiku and Emma. That's awesome. Emma excitedly cheered. Dismiss your classes for a break. You'll both be back before it ends, Ventuser said to both of them. It'll only take that long? What kind of adventure is this? Emma asked. I'll explain it to you, Moiku said to Emma. Okay techies. Emma called out. Go exploring in the school district and be sure to return here in a Cheni cycle, Emma said to the students. They all then immediately dispersed to make the most out of their time. Looks like you are all set. Ventuser looked around. First, we are going to head to Saru then to Spark. Ventuser informed the two. To Saru, as in Brook's domain? Moiku asked. Exactly, Brook is participating as well. Ventuser responded. Well, that affects my decision a little, Moiku said more solemnly. Ventuser then transported both Moiku and Emma to Brook's capital building. The building had been destroyed in various parts and Aquare was still in a struggling match against Brook. Brook then stopped immediately. Aquare felt her power jump up in strength. Yeah. Now that you knew you were about to lose you decided to end it, Aquare said to Brook. I would have imagined for someone who had been losing for so long, you would have learned when to speak. Brook returned the jest to Aquare. Oh Emma is coming too. That's exciting, Aquare said seeing Emma beside Ventuser. It sounded interesting, so of course I needed to join. Emma responded to Aquare. Aquare, you know what to do, Ventuser said to her. Aquare then transported everyone to the lab of the scientist of Spark. Moiku immediately bowed deeply in the presence of Axel. No need for the pleasantries. Now that you all are here we can begin the next session, Axel said to the group. 
Platinum then stepped forward. Brooke, Emma, and Moiku. You all are going to be transported to another reality that has been opened by the Light Shard. Within that reality you will become a new existence, which means that you will not know who you are in this reality. Your goal will be to rediscover the you that was transported and gain your consciousness. Though none of this is of any consequence to you once you enter, because you will forget everything. Platinum explained. Venture and Aquare. I want to also test how a reality with two omnipotent godheads reacts, Axel said to Venture. Though you are a special case because Aquare can merge into you. However, she is still a separate entity, evident by how she was able to achieve a godhead in that recent life. Axel noted. Then that's what we will do. Venture responded. Yes. I get to be the omnipotent deity of that reality. Brooke, you better watch your back, Aquare said to Brooke. If I understand correctly, if you target me, you wouldn't even be targeting me, you would be targeting an innocent existence that I am simply attached to, Brooke said to Aquare. Don't try to think your way out of this. Aquare responded. We are ready to send them in, Diamond said as the device was activated. This will be your first life, so I don't expect you to achieve a godhead. So when you return and it hasn't been achieved, don't feel defeated, Axel said to the group. They were all then sent into that reality. Venchuser appeared back to the initial reality. Well, looks like that happened again, Venchuser said to Axel. You can just watch the data with us then, Platinum said to Venchuser. Venchuser and Aquare immediately realized who they were once inside. Aquare looked around. Oh this room has nothing in it. Is this where you were last time? Aquare asked Venchuser. I'm surprised that both of us still exist within here. Venchuser looked at Aquare. So where is this place exactly? Aquare asked. It's a place within this reality without anything. Technically we are looking at the edges of the light shards corners. We need to locate the time, section, and location of those three if we want to have any influence over them, Venchuser said to Aquare. So, you don't immediately know everything when you enter the reality? Aquare asked. All a godhead does is make it so that you have the capabilities you had before you entered. At least, now I know that since I have you to compare to. There must be more to it than that though. Venchuser tried to think. Aquare then continued to look around. There are some objects in the distance. Aquare pointed out. Venchuser looked over. Those are deities that I created during your last life. It seems that they stick around, Venchuser said, looking at Baohu and the others. So deities are like the natives of this reality that have achieved a pseudo-godhead? Aquare asked. You could say something like that. Though it is more accurate to say that they are beings that have been granted authority by a godhead. This second time around made me realize that there is a high chance that we as Ren now could have been granted deity status in our reality by some godhead in our own reality, if we do have one, Venchuser said to Aquare. How much power can you grant each of them? Aquare asked. Who knows? You can simply apply domains to them and they can influence it based on what you give. Venchuser explained to Aquare. So we are omnipotent then. Aquare smiled. If you know how to properly manipulate the data of this reality, then yes, Venchuser said to Aquare. We technically have all of time and space for me to teach you, so I suppose I'll do that before we start seeking Brooke, Emma, and Moiku, Venchuser said to Aquare. Aquare was taught all the information that Venchuser learned during the previous existence. Now that we have your practice done, let's locate them, Venchuser said to Aquare. Technically here, you and I are on the same level, right? Aquare asked Venchuser. That is correct. Venchuser answered. Aquare then gave a small smile. 
that's all I wanted to know. Aquare responded. They both then began the movement of time and space. Brooke, Moiku and Emma were born. The three were born in different countries on the continent called Cerberus. The countries separated from one another due to differentiating technological paths. The country called Eris dominated the skies with their giant airships and war balance. Their technology was based on air pressure, fire, and aerodynamic designs. Brooke was born into this country and was given the name Amelia. The country called Mare dominated the seas with their artificial islands and underwater cities. Their technology was based on steam, pumps, and hydraulics. Emma was born into this country and was given the name Jean. The country called Tellus dominated the dry lands with their cities of steel and roaming machines. Their technology was based on gears, mechanical work, and complexity. Moiku was born into this country and was given the name Junko. Looks like we found them, Ventures are said to Aquare. Aquare checked the civilization of the world. This doesn't seem like the same world that I was born into. Aquare noted to Ventuser. That's because it isn't. This is a world that exists in a completely different galaxy from the one you are in. Though they both have exceptionally similar starting conditions, Ventuser said to Aquare. So what determines which location they are to be born in? Aquare asked. I'm not too sure yet. It probably has something to do with which beings could support their reality bond. Ventuser paused for a second to think. We should throw in one of those wrens solely to see what they become when they enter, Aquare said to Ventuser. If they agree to it then certainly, but I don't think their body would survive the journey, and they would likely simply die from the transition. Ventuser informed Aquare. Aquare looked down at their world. Is it time for us to ruin their life yet? Aquare asked Ventuser. We don't want to directly ruin it, we just want to nudge it in a certain direction, Ventuser said to Aquare. Why can't we directly ruin it? Is that an attribute of this reality too? Aquare asked Ventuser. No, it's just something I came up with. Ventuser responded. Then as your equal, I say that we could directly ruin it, Aquare laughed. Well if you are my equal then I suppose there isn't much I can do until we leave this reality, Ventuser said with a smirk. Ah. Don't be like that. This is a whole different reality. We literally could erase an entire supercluster of galaxies simply by rewriting the reality to make it happen. Aquare complained. If we ruin something, then it would be our fault. The countless deaths that it would cause would be on us, Ventuser scolded. If it gets too messed up we can restore it, and if the deaths are so bad then how about we make it so that when they die they get reborn with their memories, but in another galaxy. Aquare suggested to Ventuser. Ventuser continued to listen to Aquare's suggestion. That way it's like all we did was transport them. Ventuser considered it for a moment. I will create a deity that will judge them after they perish, that will decide how much memory they are permitted to keep. If the deity deems that they are worthy of remaining dead, then it will create a minor deity out of them. I suppose I should also create an entire board of deities to determine the locations where they would be reborn, Ventuser said, looking around the room. Aquare looked at Ventuser trying to compensate for her desires. If you feel so wrong about ending their life, how about at the moment of their death we simulate their life as if it didn't end, then when they finally die in that simulation they could stand to be judged. Aquare suggested to Ventuser. I suppose simulating their entire reality isn't of any effort to us. So I will create a deity to also handle that. Ventuser responded. The deity of dreams. Aquare suggested a name. We ought to start building different realms within this reality then, just to keep it organized for the others who follow behind us, Ventuser said to Aquare. Aquare readied her hands. I have zero qualms with that. 
Aquare responded. Aquare and Ventus are divided the space of emptiness in twelve worlds, each encompassing the previous. The first world hosts the local deities and local non-natural beings. They were the lowest workers of the outer world. The second world hosts the regional deities, ones who were in charge of lands the size of continents. They were given free roam and decisions over the land and its inhabitants, with more capabilities given to them by the next world inhabitants. The third world hosts world deities. They are given domain over creation on the entire planet. Their scope also expands to regions that inhabitants of their world can reach within a lifetime. The fourth world hosts deities of a realm. Realms for deities encompasses millions of solar systems and nebulas. They were to maintain and administrate a role over the deities in the lower worlds and were in charge of creation for their domains and lower domains. The fifth world hosts the deities of order. They stabilize the chaos of an unbridled universe and send creation among their domains. They were given control of several million galactic systems. They were not given the ability to create beings other than local deities for micromanagement. The sixth world hosts the universal deities. Ones who maintain order, creation and destruction of creation within a universe. Venture and Aquare gave them free control over the universe and its inhabitants. The seventh world hosts the rulers of heaven. Deities in this world, control areas within the twelve worlds lower than their own. Their control over creation is limited by the orders they gave deities of lower worlds. Worlds above this one were to maintain an order or the code of reality. The eight world hosts the supreme creators. They maintained the books of existences, and knowledge of all time and space. Deities in this level controlled the existence of all beings born within reality. They were given the capability of adjusting events in time to maintain their logical coherence. Where there was creation they could adjust its properties. The ninth world hosts the Supreme Guards. The Supreme Guards maintain protection of the twelve worlds. The check and recheck to notice law-defying events within the upper worlds, the seventh world and higher. The Supreme Guards maintain the originals of the laws in existence and ensure that those below them do not alter these devices without relevant cause. They were the final separator between existence elimination and existence prosperity. The Tenth World hosts the Supreme Overseers. They create the laws of existence and the beings that could exist within it. They determine their final moments and possible paths for them to exist. The Supreme Overseers set limits of power among all inhabitants of the worlds and of creation. They define order and disorder, creation and destruction, position and power. The eleventh world hosts the ambassadors of reality. They were the ones who were permitted without cause to converse with those who have achieved a godhead in another reality. The ambassadors could request direct investigation and intervention from these godheads. They roam through all of reality to inform those godheads as well. They did not fall within existence, they were to be concepts for the reality within the light shard. They had no power of their own but could not be erased, nor imprisoned from reality and the final world, the twelfth, were the starting points for all beings which came from another reality such as Ren now. Their power depended on their knowledge and Godhead. When informed, all beings within the twelfth world could adjust the reality as deemed fit. The structure of the worlds was completed. Now all that is left is to see these beings create their own subordinates and domains, Ventures are said to acquire. Ventures are created the first ambassador, Ushu Gaia. You know your duties. If you need more assistance we will create more, Ventures are said to the ambassador. Ushu Gaia traveled to the lower worlds and sent the commands Ventures are and Aquare through it. Deities then emerged from reality to inhabit the worlds. This frees us up to do whatever we want, right? Aquare asked. Ventures are shrugged. Don't see why not. There's no need for us to micromanage reality from the white room, 
Ventus are said to acquire. They both then traveled down to Cerberus. The world deities of Cerberus were Derma, Uru, and Phori which maintained the balance between fire, water, and earth. Once upon a time, when the world was still young, there was chaos. And within chaos were monsters. These monsters, such as the great beast Rogoth and the great serpent Yamamal destroyed every bit of order that could emerge. But in a tiny pocket, unwatched for a mere instant emerged Derma, Uru and Phori from the chaos. The three goddesses fought against the monsters to clear a section within chaos for order to take hold. To mark their success they combined their power together to create life, the ultimate form of order. Lori the mother of Amelia Reed. You're going to scare the kid reading that story, Lori. August, the father of Amelia said to Lori. Amelia looked up at her dad with a smile, asking to be held. August picked up the young girl and placed her on his hip. He tapped her adorable nose. She carried this book to me while I was sitting in the living room, practically begging for me to read it. Lori responded to August. Is that right? August looked at Amelia. You already want to learn about the beginning of our world, well aren't you a little genius? August tapped Amelia's nose again. But it is entirely too scary, with all the talk of monsters and all. You should read her the children's version of the story. Amelia shook her head. No, I want that one. Amelia pointed at the book. Lori gestured her hands in a I told you manner. How about we go to the park, and you can see the wonders that the goddesses created for us. And about the saint of the sky, Arrow. August asked Amelia. Amelia nodded her head. Aren't you tired after work? Lori asked August. I'm never too tired to take our little girl out for a walk, besides you got to spend all day with our little sugar drop. It's only fair that I do too. August looked at Lori with a pouty face. Then I won't hold you here any longer. Lori smiled. August took Amelia outside. The sky was clear and bright as all days in the sky city of Luxton were. Papa, what is night? Amelia asked August. Night? Now where did you come up with that question? August responded. Nightlife, it was in your book. Amelia answered August's question. Hmm, is that right? I guess you never have experienced a true night. August then sat down at the park bench. Amelia sat on his lap. Night is the time when the day star is below the horizon, far off in the distance. But because we live in Luxton we are a part of the daylight armada, which means we follow the day star's journey. When all humans lived down on the surface, everyone experienced both night and day each time the planet rotated. And the people who were awake when the day star went down experienced night life. August educated Amelia. I want to experience night life, Amelia said to her father. One day we will bring you to the nighttime armada. But you will have to wait until you are a bit older, so be patient, okay? August told Amelia. Okay, Papa, Amelia said with a smile. In the distance there were many other airships. They were the size of cities and all traveled together like a flock of birds. Below them were the clouds of the planet. Because of this Luxton and all other ships in the daylight armada did not experience weather other than clear bright skies. Ships in the armada were covered overhead by a dome. The dome held the global time displayed within it, so that the citizens who only experienced the day would know how to coordinate with other armadas. Papa, you said that humans used to live on the surface. Are there any people still there? Amelia asked August. Yes, there are people who still live down there, and they are a wicked bunch. If any time in the distant future you ever come across one of them, simply ignore them and keep moving. Associating with the people on the surface will only spell trouble. August warned Amelia. What did they do? 
Amelia asked. Well outside of my personal experience, there has to be a reason why the saint of the sky didn't select them to be born up here. Everything has their reasons. August told Amelia. So, the deities don't like them? Amelia questioned. Correct. Now that doesn't give us permission to be mean to them, simply do not associate with them. August reiterated to make sure that Amelia understood. Amelia nodded. Good girl, August said, tapping Amelia's nose. Down on the surface in the Tellus, there was a state named Magnesia, which was famous for their roaming cities. The cities were as large as small mountains and traveled across the lands on belts as tanks. One such city was the district of Titan in which Junko lived. Junko roamed around the steel that was deposited across the urban jungle. Junko found a shiny crystal on the ground and grabbed it. She jumped across from one railing to the other avoiding the people down below. The city had a build-higher methodology which allowed Junko to move swiftly without the people walking and driving below catching sight of her. Junko made it to a building that was slightly out of the way and hidden and dropped off the crystal in front of the clerk. The place looked dirty and worn down. It was covered in old towels and rust, and the clerk was an overweight man in his middle ages. He grabbed the crystal and looked at it with his magnifying glass which was designed with customized scraps from around the city. I can give you five aluminum coins for this. The clerk said to Junko. No way, this is worth at least one copper coin. Junko responded. Junko was much smaller compared to the clerk. There was also no denying that Junko lived in poverty. What am I supposed to do about it? Isn't it enough that you live in my storage room and eat my leftovers? I'm already running at a loss taking care of you orphans. The clerk said to Junko. Junko looked at him with frustration in her eyes. I'm not an orphan, my parents are still alive. Junko responded to him. Oh my bad, I guess that'll just make you a foster. Give me a break, as if anyone gets out of prison these days. The clerk said handing Junko six aluminum coins. There, I threw in a little extra, now out of my sight. The clerk said, waving his hand to shoo Junko away. Junko grabbed the coins and went into the door next to the desk. She looked around to make sure no one was looking. She made her way to where she slept and dug. She pulled out a buried sock and placed the coins in there. Don't worry ma and pa, I'll eventually become rich and I will pay for your release. I swear on the great Saint G.E., Junko said before burying the sock again. She then jumped up and ran out of the musty damp room. Bring back something more valuable you brat. The clerk said as Junko ran past him. Junko gave a thumbs up and climbed up the building next to the shop. In the distance there was a vast ocean. Where tiny green dots were visible. Those small green dots were the floating cities. And one such floating city was Rhodus. Jean attended the learning institute for pre-minors. The young children were learning to swim for swimming was a vital part of their society. Jean was an extremely capable swimmer and caught the ire of the children in her class. Jean came up from the deep end of the training pond to catch her breath, when she got up the other kids were throwing stones at her. I bet you aren't better than us at throwing rocks. One of the children called out as they tossed another rock at her head. Jean dived below the surface of the water again to avoid getting hit. Hey! Stop being mean! Another girl in the class said to the kids throwing rocks. She worked really hard to get good at swimming, you guys are just jealous. We aren't jealous. The kid replied. Then why are you throwing rocks? The girl asked them. Jean came back up to the surface when she noticed that the rocks stopped coming and she saw that someone was defending her. Jean swam back to the shore to get a better idea of what was being said. Jean stood in front of the kids throwing rocks. 
You guys should apologize to her before I tell the teacher. The girl said to the other kids. They stood silent. They really don't have to, I'm not hurt, Jean said to the girl. It doesn't matter if you get hurt. Sister Rudia said that if someone intends to cause harm, even if it is unsuccessful, they should be treated as if they still went through with it. The girl said to Jean. There's no proof that we threw anything, they yelled out then ran off. The girl was agitated with what just happened. Jean then touched her shoulder. It's okay, they never get caught anyways. So I just learned to deal with it, Jean said to the girl. Wow, you are strong mentally and physically. Can we be friends? The girl asked. Jean was taken aback. Ah. Sure. Jean responded. My name is Flora, my parents just moved here from Ithusa. My first day, Flora said to Jean. Your first day and you already stood up for me. You are the one who is strong, Jean said to Flora. Sister Rudia said, if you see violence you must stop violence. So that's what I did. Flora smiled. My name is Jean, I'm glad we are friends now. Jean smiled. Venchuser and Aquare looked down at the lives that Brooke, Moiku and Emma were living. Well none of them are showing signs of immediate access to a godhead, Venchuser said to Aquare. Should we try and push them along? Aquare asked Venchuser. No, I don't think we need to do anything. Things seem like it'll take a dark turn without our intervention. Venchuser responded to Aquare. Why is that? Aquare asked. The world deities of this planet seem to have become agitated by the amount of worship that the regional deities are receiving. So I can only imagine that they will try to cause more issues within the territories to push worship away from the smaller gods, Venchuser said to Aquare. That's dumb. They are deities, we literally gave them abilities independent of the humans and creatures below, Aquare said to Venchuser. Well, the deities of the realm are what decided the attributes of the world deities. Remember we barely have any instructions even to the ninth world inhabitants. Venchuser informed Aquare. Oh. Yikes. Well, I guess until the ambassadors complain we should just let things play out. Aquare noted. Wow, you aren't ready to personally interfere yet? Venchuser asked. Well you just said that things are going to take a dark turn, personally, I would rather arrive after everything already started. I have had enough of the turmoil lifestyle, Aquare said to Venchuser. It shouldn't be much longer, let's decide what storyline we want to follow, Venchuser said to Aquare as they both traveled to the continent below. 